When I record podcasts, I like to stay hydrated. Who knew talking could be so hard? My favorite drink to have to hand is Lifeline's Hydro OG. It's a tried and tested product for me. It helped me and my team complete a 24-hour podcast, giving us the edge that we needed to get over the finish line. So whether you're at the gym, on a bike ride, or just trying to get over that night before, Lifeline's Hydro OG has got your back. Each serving is stocked with all the healthy ingredients and vitamins you could ask for. There are a great range of flavors, and with each serving at only 18 calories, you really can't go wrong. Here at the Shrewsbury Biscuit Podcast, we like to support local, independent companies and brands, and Lifelines is a product that I am proud to endorse. Go to lifelines.com. Now that's L-Y-F-E-L-I-N-E-Z.com to find out more. Now, without further ado, here is today's episode. Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome to the Shrewsbury Biscuit Podcast. I'm Alex Whiteley. Thank you so much for tuning in. And um, today we're coming from not just Theatre 7, but like the business end of Theatre 7, part of the theatre I've never been to. I'm actually in Brad Fitt's dressing room right now. I'm chatting with Brad. How are you? I'm very well, Alex. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for, for doing this. It's uh, it's really nice to finally meet you. You're like one of the most I'd say, prominent figure in here in Shrewsbury. <laughs> Everybody knows who you are. Well, they know who I am when I'm on stage, I suppose. I, I can I can still walk around. Uh, nobody knows me once I'm outside, though. Cause so you don't get recognised an awful No, because if you look behind you, where you're sat now, you, you, you can see mm. my, my padded suit uh, there, which changes my shape and obviously all my makeup which and the, and the wigs and everything. So I'm unrecognisable, really, I suppose. You're kind of like Batman. I am, I'm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Ninja. How is, that, how is that for you, though? Because, I mean, I know people adore you for, for the roles you play the pantomimes and you have done for so long here in Shrewsbury yeah but to almost be incognito <laughs> afterwards not, I, I don't mind I, I think people like the character I don't I don't think people really know well they do know me I, I see people outside stage door and stuff and some people will you know my picture is in the program so you know that nice website as well obviously I've done a bit of research before I came oh, in oh yeah. right yeah. that was you was it I, was... I saw somebody was on the website <laughs> that was me lurking earlier um, <laughs> yeah no I, I love it I love it here and I love the people I lo- that's why I keep coming back this is my 11th pantomime here but my 12th year because I was here the year that we you know year that we won't mention when they didn't do a show because uh, of, of covid and the lockdowns and everything but we did a i did a one-man show that year with my musical director simon hansen oh, wow so it's my 12th year here at christmas but my 11th pantomime title wonderful so you've i mean obviously uh, it takes a long a lot of experience to get to where you are today um and that's got to start from somewhere um so i think that the best thing to do is to find out who who young brad is where where do you begin all right um where did i begin well i was born uh in norwich uh in uh 1975 and um i grew up in norwich and i think my first to get into pantomime and stuff like that i the first theater experience i had was about i was about five years old and um 
I was taken to see Cinderella at the Theatre Royal Norwich with um, uh, Paul Henry, who's actually a local man now. He, he, I think he lives in Whitchurch or somewhere like that. Anyway, Paul Henry, if you can see him at the top of my um, little makeup box there, you'll see a, a badge that says Buttons, I Loves Your Cinders, and that's Paul Henry, Benny from Crossroads. Wonderful. Um, and uh, I went to see this pantomime, and I thought, that's it, I want to I want to work in theatre. And uh, I was never really a... Uh, I was quite a shy child, and... Um, didn't really want to put myself out there and I thought well, I won't be an actor or anything like that but then I discovered when I was about 16 I got a job as a as an usher at the Theatre Royal Norwich and uh, one of my jobs was putting posters up in the foyer for the show that was coming the next week and I started making that used to be quite boring you could only fit like three posters and a row of leaflets in this board so I started cutting them up and making 3D posters and we had like the uh, I can't remember the name of the show now. The um, the the musical with the big plant, Little Shop of Horrors. Shop I made a big three yeah. D Little Shop of Horrors, Audrey, and I made three D things. And then the theatre manager saw this and said, "Would he? Would I help make props for the pantomime that year?" They were looking for an assistant to the prop maker. So I fell into becoming a prop maker, and I became a prop maker for Aladdin, which I I was doing, you know, making lamps and trifles and uh, massive rubber ducks and things like that and i loved it and i thought oh, this is great i could work backstage this is there's another you know there's other things you can do in 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 theater other than be on stage and then the day i finished being a prop maker the assistant stage manager who was working on the show had a nervous breakdown and um because i'd just finished being a prop maker they asked if i would be the asm and an asm is the person that sets the props on stage and works backstage so I suddenly, I sort of fell into that as well. And that's how I started working in theatre. I was an assistant stage manager. It's really interesting, the, um, the the metamorphosis that happens when you, you know, it sounds like you got completely immersed with, with theatre as an from an outside position. Yeah. And then he's taking these gradual steps inside and further inside and further inside. You just feels like you, you were grabbed you know, you, you're grappled in and yeah, yeah I, I was nice. very lucky. I had lots of different things happened. And, 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 um, so that pantomime that I was ASM on was Aladdin and the dame was Christopher Biggins. He was playing Widow Twang. Legend. Absolutely. Legend Biggins. He's there. You can see a picture of him there <laughs> on my desk. Um, still a good friend. And, um, he was the dame and, uh, Victor Spinetti, great Welsh actor, Victor Spinetti was Abenaza. And, uh, I learned so much from them. And, um, I made a uh, I made a prop for Biggins that he really liked, and he he was impressed. I sort of did it in lunch my lunch break because he came up with this idea just before we stopped lunch for a lunch break in rehearsals when we were doing technical rehearsals. He was dressed as Tina Turner for some reason. I don't know why. Don't ask me why he was dressed as Tina. Why not? Turner. Just why not? <laughs> in uh, in Old Peking, but he was, and he wanted the national lottery had just started and he wanted one of those big national lottery hand you know it could be it's you, you yeah it could be you signs on his bottom <laughs> and uh, so we broke for lunch and i went out and i got some plastic and i photocopied the ticket and i made it bigger and i cut it all out and i did everything and i glittered it all up and i dried it in a wig oven and i drilled holes in it i took it to wardrobe and i said can you sew that on the bottom of the tina turner dress and when he came back after that i then went off and grabbed a sandwich in the five minutes I had or whatever. And then I came back and Biggins put the dress back on and did this bit again and then turned and said, oh, and don't forget, we'll get one of these hands sewn on the bum. And the director, a man called Peter Wilson, 
uh, said, oh, it's already there. And he, he said, well, how's that? And, and then he called me and he said, did you do that? And I, I did it in my break. But I was, you know, I was 17. I was really eager to, you know, impress and work and do stuff. And, and from that, he said, well, I'm really impressed by that. And then he offered me a job as a stage manager on a thing called the Holder's Opera Season, which happened in Barbados. So I, suddenly I was a stage manager. So I sort of fell into that as well. But then I worked with Chris for many years as his company manager, having trained in stage management at Bristol Vic Theatre School. And then he did about five years at Cambridge Arts Theatre as Dame, and he used to write and direct. And then when he left, I used to offer him the odd joke. So I would say to him, oh, why don't you try this? Why don't you try that? And he would do them and they'd get laughs. And so I started writing more and more. And then when Biggins left Cambridge Arts Theatre, they asked me to write the following years. So I fell into becoming a scriptwriter. Once I'd written it, they asked me to direct it because they said, well, you'll know what happens because you're the director. You wrote it. So I fell into becoming a director. And then after a few years, they asked me to play um, An Ugly Sister. Wow. And, and I, so I fell into that as well. So, I, uh, yeah. It seems to me like, um, because like obviously th we, behind the scenes in theatre, yeah. there's lots of moving machinery, lots of mm. working parts and stuff. So to to take that initiative, a very brave move to, to sew a prop on the back of a dress. <laughs> I mean, that, that must have uh, taken some big kahunas to do that. I mean, it paid off for you. <laughs> well, it did eventually, yeah, because he offered me a job then. and I Because he could have ended up with like, what have you done to my dress? <laughs> I know, that was 30 years ago and I'm still working with him. And uh, yeah, he's a good friend and he, he sort of started me on my career, Biggins. And uh, yeah, he suggested... Um, uh, Bristol, as because I thought, well, that's what I want to be. I want to be. Uh, that's what I wanted to be at the time, stage manager. And so I trained as a stage manager, and um, yeah, I, I just sort of evolved really. But yeah. I still do all sorts of things. I don't just do this. Obviously, pantomime is a once once a year thing for a month, of course, or six yeah. weeks. So the rest of the year, I work in theatre production. I, you know, book tours. I'm a theatre producer. I write kids shows. I direct things. It's all theatre based. But pantomime is the only time I'm actually in front of the audience i guess uh when you're running things backstage and you know so you're 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 marketing you're moving things around throughout the year when it comes to is that my phone oh well, that was did you hear that yes i did yeah. <laughs> that was very weird um uh like when you come to play your dame role um yeah. Is that, like, is, that like, is that like a break for you? Is that like a, oh, okay, are you still working while you're doing that? No, I'm still working. We're in our, my dressing room now. You can see I'm sat here. Sorry. Um, I've got my computer set up behind me. I'm tour booking. I'm booking tours. I've got um, a kids show out at the minute called Tales from Acorn Wood. That's going into Birmingham at Christmas. Um, I'm booking an Inspector Calls, The Woman in Black, Dirty Dancing, getting plugs in for all of these shows now. Um, so I tour book those. Um yeah, I do, I, I'm always working at different things. But I do enjoy, you know, going on stage and uh, and do it panto. It's a great... I wouldn't say it's a break from other stuff. It's, it's just a different uh, element of what I do. Most of the stuff I do is backstage or office-based. Mm. And, and so panto is, um, you know, I direct other things during the year, but I don't star in them. What do you, what do you prefer? Do you prefer writing and directing or do you prefer being on stage? Um, I, I, I like being on stage at Christmas. I don't think I could be, uh, I've got no interest in being an actor 
for for other other things. I mean, I I know obviously I've got lots of friends that are actors. I think it's one of the hardest things, mm. you know, putting yourself into an audition, you know, two times a week or three times or whatever, however however many you're lucky enough to get. But to have to stand there in front of a panel of people yeah. and and be like, pick me, um, you know, there's a there's awful figures and there's like a hundred out of all of Equity members acting uh, Equity members. I think 97% of them are not working at any one point, you know, any It is it sounds like something so I mean I've we're working with Rockin' Horse Media and um, they're making Henry House uh, this a care home drama. We've been doing horses and biscuits with them for I'm coming on a year now, so every couple of weeks now at the moment, every month, we we meet up, find out who's been cast for what, we'll go mm. to auditions and things. So I could see this backstage, I could see people come in, do auditions, not get a role and go away. And, I, you know, for years I've been interviewing celebrities and actors on, on various podcasts and things. And, you know, I do ask about auditions a lot. And, yeah, it does. it sounds like a very ruthless brutal thing <laughs> it can be it's hard i have to sit on audition panels when people coming in and you see them coming in and then you know they're nervous i try and you know try and make them feel comfortable and i just you know i want to give everyone the job it's really hard if you see you know you can put a casting breakdown out on spotlight you might have you know two roles mm. and within three hours you might have two thousand submissions that you've got to go through that's insane yeah that uh, insane. and and then you have to cut that down to how, who you're going to see and and then you see him and then, yeah i couldn't do that does it get easier after a few years of just or do, i mean this i i suppose you've got to be able to cut yourself off from that haven't you yeah you have respects. to give people the time though as well I, I i've been on i've never been on the other side i've never auditioned for anything i've been very lucky but um yeah, you have. I've been on panels with people that have made me feel uncomfortable because they just don't give people the time. And I think, no, come on, you know, they've come a long way. They've they've travelled here. They've prepared a song. They've worked on a speech. They've done this. You know, give them the time of you know. Even if they walk in and you think no, they're not right. Yeah, you've got to let them because you might you might think well they're not right for this, but I, you know, they'll crop up. That's happened to me before. Where I've seen someone, I thought, no, they're not right for this. But then I, I've done something else, and I thought, oh, I know who's perfect for this. So you have to give them the time, and you know, at least give them that. Um, it's 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 nice. It's a nice thing when it all works out, though, isn't it? I guess mm. when you find that that that's that starlet or that that the perfect person for, yeah. for the role, and it sort of fits in. You must get a lot of sat satisfaction from that. Yeah, it's lovely. It's nice, and it's nice being able to, you know, give people that opportunity. I did it. It worked. It worked. <laughs> I made this. I made yeah. it. That's wonderful. Um, now, uh, where, where are you? You're not local to Shrewsbury. Are you? No, I live in Norfolk. Norfolk. Yeah, Norfolk. The, completely the opposite side of the country. So you come and stay here for a few weeks, do your thing, and then I yeah, I move over here uh, sort of mid-November, and then I go back. Um, I tend to get home a couple of times across the run all my family come here but um like I'll, I'll get home i definitely go home on christmas eve i have christmas at home and then i'm back here i get home on christmas eve about 9 30 10 o'clock and then christmas day at home and then i'm back in the car at about 6 a.m on boxing day to drive wow. back for a matinee one i was gonna say wonderful but that sounds hard yeah but you know it's it's it is what it is I've, I, it, the, the christmas when we didn't do a show was the first year in my working, well, since I was 17, that I'd had more than 
just Christmas Day off because I'd always done panto. What were you like then? Were you were you, were you like oh? Uh, I was uh, totally in the way. I yeah. was totally in the. I felt in the way at home because all the things that I miss out on, like putting the tree up and all that sort of stuff, I would sort of try and join in. So I would put things up, and they're like, "No, we don't put that there. We do that there, and we don't do you know." So I was totally in the way. I'm like that. I um, <laughs> I, ro- I I I've tore two ligaments in my ankle uh, earlier in the year, and I was off work for like three weeks, and uh, my wife sat there just glaring at me while I just sat there complaining about things with a foot up on a chair. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's it's horrible. I'm a complete workaholic. I don't I don't stop. I mean. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not. I don't complain about it because I love doing what I do. I can kind of, kind of see a, a similarity between, in certain regards, what I do and what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Because even though you're an amazing, uh, you're in an amazing role and you've worked really hard for what you're doing, I can't stop. I can't stop yeah. doing what I'm doing. I'm interviewing tomorrow, um, Friday, Saturday, um, Sunday. <laughs> I, I love yeah. what I'm doing. You've got to be passionate about it, haven't you, to be able to put your all into it the way you do? Yeah. And if you do something that you enjoy, it's not like work, is it? It's no. I mean, it is tough. I, I've I've been this year. I have been touring with an inspector call since August, which is weekly touring. Um, I finished that uh, last Sunday, uh, last Saturday. I was in Newcastle. I flew back six a.m. Sunday morning. Drove from Heathrow to home. <laughs> I was uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday morning. I was actually moving house. Uh, Wednesday afternoon I drove up here Thursday morning I started rehearsals Uh, it'll be like that all the way through and I think I do the panto run we finish on the 8th of Jan and I start inspector on the 9th of Jan in Salford so I'm straight on to it I think you know there's Christmas Day and I think there must be a week off in Easter or something I think I wonder I do I always wonder about you know tours and things especially big ones like like to go on for theatre tours yeah. just seem to be never ending. Yeah. Um. Did you know? Do you? Is it? Is it? Is it too cliche to say? Oh, you, you don't know which town you're in every day. I mean, is it? Can it get like that? It can get like that. Yeah, it can. Get, if, if you do weekly touring, isn't so bad. When you're doing, sometimes I've not done them uh, for years and years and years. But I used to do kids shows where you'd do two days in a venue and then you'd move and then you'd do another. You know. Wow. So you're moving all the time. And quite often you didn't know where you were. But which town are we in again? Yeah, where are we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, weekly's all right. I mean, weekly's it's still busy. I mean, you travel on a Sunday, you 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 open on a Monday, you do Tuesday, Wednesday matinee, Wednesday evening, Thursday matinee, Thursday evening, Friday, two shows Saturday. You move on again Sunday. It's difficult to get home and stuff, but. Um, it's uh, yeah, it is. It's uh, I mean, it, uh, to some that's probably adventurous and exciting, you know, for a bit. I mean, yeah. I, I I don't think I'd mind that for a little bit, I guess. But I think after a while, I get a bit dizzy. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, with the the pantomime in Shrewsbury, because it is it is a big show, where very well polished, looks amazing, you, you know. And how much hands on it are you with the show do you write it as well or no, do always do that it's written by paul hendy who uh, runs the company evolution with his wife emily wood and um he writes them and i get sent it uh usually usually by september early october the, the sort of the draft that he's done and then i look at it and then we'll have a conversation and then i might suggest some bits and pieces and it'll come back and back and forth so i have a bit of input there 
and uh, he speaks to Simon, our musical director, about song choices and things like that. So we do have a bit of input, but I don't write it, but okay. um, I have input. I rewrite it sometimes. <laughs> um, this doesn't work. This is, I prefer yeah. to do this. To yeah, as long as, as long as Paul's all right with it. But I do, yeah, I do a bit of writing, but then once we're in rehearsals, I'm the director as well. So I sort of, you know, it's my... It's my work. It, I, I've never ever been in a pantomime that I've not directed. So I'm always, I sort of, sometimes I think, well, I'd like, I'd like you actually to just get another director in and then I can sort of sit back. Because what happens is you get into rehearsals and I will be playing Dame. So I might do the opening scene, for example. And now the opening scene may be the fairy and the baddie. Let's say, for example, so I will direct that scene and I'll work on it with those two actors. Then they will go off and they'll have a cup of tea and they'll go over their lines. And then I'll do the next scene, which might be the princess and the comic and the dame. Now, obviously, I'm in that scene, so I will do that scene with them. And then they will all go off. Well, the comic and the princess will go off and sort of learn their lines and remember what they did uh, and have a cup of tea. But I will be doing the next scene that I might not be in. But, so I never get that chance to go off and after a scene and think, right, well, this is what I do there. And da, 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 da. So I'm always the last one to learn my lines and, and what I do. But I sort of tend to, I tend to get it in, rather than the rehearsal room, I get it in the technical rehearsal now, which we're about to go into tomorrow, which is where we go on stage and we we do it all with the scenery moving and the lighting and everything. So we, we have to keep going over it and over it, you know, to get the lighting and everything right. So How that's do you keep up with it all? That's so much information to take in, not just like, not just for the pantomime, but on top of everything else you're doing as well. How do you memorize it all? Is it I don't know. a technique? No, I, don't, I have no idea. I don't know. I was talking to a man, an actor called Michael Nielsen, who played Captain Hook for me a few years ago now. We did Peter Pan last year. Not, was it Peter Pan last year? Yeah, this was the Peter Pan we did yes. about seven or eight years ago. And Michael Nielsen, we were talking about how your brain works on stage. It is a fascinating thing. If you're on stage and you're doing a line and something happens, so I might be doing a speech and something happens whilst I'm doing that speech, like that's something in the audience that I notice or something happens. And whilst you're still talking, your brain is thinking, oh, there's a joke in there somewhere or some, you know, some man in the audience may, who I've picked on may have said something, given a funny job title or, you know, something. And, and whilst you're still doing the lines as scripted, your brain is thinking, oh, what about this joke? And then you're also thinking at the same time, how can I get that joke in? And you sort of think, oh, well, if I change that bit in a minute, I'll be able to come back and do that as a joke. So I don't know how it works really, but it, it is fascinating. I just have to do the maths and <laughs> work out how that is. I always, I always find that that sort of role fascinating, though, because you know you're right. There's a, there's all these all these well rehearsed lines and mm. and your own direction that you're giving yourself, as well as the impro improvisation. That's got to be like it's got to be polished and fine because you know there's all these people staring at you. Yeah, you go for those laughs. It's hardest. Yeah, thing to do. you've never I've never thought of it like that before. Yeah, It'd probably make me nervous now. Oh, no, 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 you're a, you're a pro, you're a pro. Um, how do you do it on the bad days? Because obviously, uh, you know, Robin Williams and some mate, the, most, the best comedians in the world have talked about the hard days, you know, when it's it's hard to be funny. Yeah. Is, it, is there some way you motivate yourself on those days where you just feel like, oh, I can't be bothered doing this day? I mean, I... Um, no, I, I, I don't think so. I mean, I, yeah, 
I personally, you have tough days, and uh, I think once you're in and you've, you know, it's hard. You sit down. It's not like you just come in and go straight on stage. I have to, you know, get ready. I have to shave first, and then start putting my face on, which takes a, a time. And then I have to put stupid costumes on, and you know, with padding and all that sort of stuff. So I'm getting ready, and and also I have my tannoy on. I've turned it down now, but my tannoy there on the wall usually I can hear people turning up. So I've got the Christmas music going and you can hear kids laughing and families laughing and stuff like that. So it's difficult to, it would be difficult to go out there like as yeah. miserable as sin. And, yeah. um, you know, I guess you could play on that though. Couldn't you like, Oh, I'm not in the mood for you lot today. <laughs> yeah. Sort of thing. Um, well, I did put some, uh, some, um, uh, I, put, I asked for some questions. Of oh, did you? Yeah. So goodness me. Emma Crowell asked, um, uh, what's your favorite costume? Your best crazy, um, oh, your best costume, first of all. She asked a couple of questions here. Your Who was favorite? This? Emma. Emma, yeah. Emma, best costume. Um, what was my best costume? I did it at Dick Whittington. There was a, there was a sort of a, there was a moment where I had a, I had a big dressing gown on, and which I took off, and then underneath I had a, like a bikini on. <laughs> that was a good one. That used to get a good reaction. That was a funny one. I liked that, although it was very hot. <laughs> Nine. That was a, that was that's probably my best one. I um, like that. What was her other question? Emma? Um, Greedy Emma with two questions. <laughs> Has it all uh, gone wrong, uh, or you know, your favorite in stage experience that may have gone wrong? May have gone wrong. Um, has anything gone wrong? I think something went wrong last year. Here we had a we had a production. Uh, we were doing Peter Pan, and we had a huge revolve. So the, the big piece of set that used to slide on from the back of the stage on a winch, and it would go to center stage, and then it could turn. And uh, between the early morning show, ten fifteen show, and the two o'clock show, it got stuck. It came out of its runners, and somebody was coming to fix it, but they couldn't get here in time. We couldn't get it off stage, and we couldn't get it on stage. <laughs> oh, we couldn't no. turn it. We couldn't bring any curtains in. We couldn't do anything. But 600 children had already been dropped off oh no by the coaches um and uh, uh we couldn't do anything and so we went out luckily we could get them into another show we we'd, we'd put another show on so we could shift them and put them into another show but we had 600 kids here and a few adults that had booked separately uh families and stuff um but they were here, you know, and they had two hours to kill. So we had to do so. So we made up a show. I made up a show. I said to all the cast, I said, just put your costumes on, put your mics on and come and join me. So we went, I went out first and said hello and explained to the audience that, you know, the set was stuck, but that they would, you know, we were going to sort them out and we were going to do something for them. And we did 45 minutes of just improv chat songs, uh, oh, wonderful. Com old routines that I remembered from years ago. And, I think I probably did a Q&A session. I don't know what I did, but we did 45 minutes. Then we had an interval. They were all given an ice cream. And then we went back out and did another 45 minutes. And um, they loved it. They said, they, they said it was one of the best. They had the best show of everybody. Did, and then they got to come back and see it again. <laughs> so um, that, that that was a big thing that went wrong. But um, it turned out to be a nice experience. Yeah, though. it was good. It was good. Kept everyone on their toes. Um Steve Oliver says, uh, your funniest wardrobe malfunction. Have you had any funniest wardrobe slip malfunction? Out or... uh, <laughs> slip out? No, I've had nothing slip out. No, um, it's all very, uh, yeah, lycra and um, yeah, I'm quite safe. Uh, funniest wardrobe malfunction. I went on stage once. This wasn't here. This was in Cambridge. 
years ago, I went out on stage and I did my whole opening scene and I just didn't feel right. I didn't feel right. And I, I was doing it and I thought, there's something weird. There's something weird here. And I couldn't quite put my finger on it. And I, thought, I came off stage and I thought, I didn't like that. I don't know what was wrong. And I walked back into my dressing room to, um, to, to get changed and my boobs were hanging up on the door I, I didn't have my boobs on that was what it was so that's why i didn't so you weren't very damey no i wasn't very damey i was just yeah more gamey yeah it was just uh that was a malfunction um he also asks have you ever fully lost it laughing um <laughs> yeah the giggles the giggles uh no me no i well, i'm i'm quite good i do laugh but i'm quite good at snapping out of it but i i do like when you find an actor that you know is a is a corpser, uh, as in they corpse. I don't know where that comes from, corpse, but they you know laughing. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, uh, Eric Smith was a, a great one for corpsing, but um, <laughs> and if you know that, I quite enjoy knowing that I can, I can get them to laugh. I have laughed. I I'd find it. There was a man once uh, uh, that I'd picked on that had a really really weird laugh that that. It was sort of a delayed laugh. So every time we did a joke or anything, you would get the laugh and then his would come in two or three seconds okay. after. <laughs> yeah, he was yeah, a big okay. exhaler and then yeah, yeah. a big inhale. And um, that started <laughs> to make everyone laugh. Um, yeah, I think that gave me the giggles. I find that really difficult, I think. I mean, I did... Okay, so I did a bit of acting at the prison. Um, we did right. prison breaks and stuff. Right. And I played I played a, um, a, a, dra a drag queen... That had been put in prison wrongfully, of course. Right. And I had my my role was just, just to throw hit, hissy fits and tantrums at right. people, um. But I was making myself laugh so much because the shock on people's face when you get you blow up in their face, had the wig yeah. on, and the um, there were roles that we did that were just just ridiculous, just totally ridiculous. Yeah. But if I'm next to someone who's been equally ridiculous, I find it hard to stay in character and just stay focused. So I can imagine being on stage in front of. A thousand people will just make me just die inside. <laughs> I've not done it on stage. I have done it where I've helped people do self-tape or film tapes where I've had to help them and something's happened and you are you just can't do it. I don't know why. Maybe it's because there's people there watching you. I can snap out of it, but on film I have hmm. where you just can't, you know, you can't get the words out. It's like when, you know, when you're in school and they tell you not to laugh. You just yeah. want to laugh even more. Yeah. yeah. Um, Anna Williams from Lingen Davis. Um, Hello, Anna. Uh, Hello, she's, Anna. She says, uh, "What what makes you keep coming back to Shrewsbury? Not that she doesn't want you here or anything. Yeah. Saying, what? Why do you keep yeah. coming back, Brad? Thanks, thanks Anna. <laughs> um, what makes me keep coming back? Well, I've got a contract <laughs> that keeps me coming back. And the, the moolah. people, the the people, I love it here. I I love. Um, it's really nice. Uh, I know friends of mine or people that I know that are, like play Ugly Sisters. Now, if you play an Ugly Sister." and that's all you play, you only ever do one year at a theatre before you move on because they don't do Cinderella every year, so you have yeah, to just yeah, keep moving on. Yeah. Whereas if you play Dame, you can stick around for a few years. And then the lovely thing about it is that you get to know the audience and they get to know you. So there's a shorthand that you have with them. So the first year I came here, obviously nobody knew me, and uh, and then they come back the next year and they think oh it's you know it's the same dame again so you don't have to um you know create that rapport with the audience again because they know you 
and they know what you're like. And then once you once you've done a few years, it's um it's like a shorthand. I don't have to go through all that. Hello, my name's so and so, so and so, and this is who you I know am. who you are. That's what I said at the beginning yeah. of the podcast. You you renown in Shrewsbury, and they know yeah. what to expect now. Yeah. Um, so it's nice. Yeah. And I get to know people. Like the, the same people book the same seats on the same days, you know. Yeah, where is he? Where? <laughs> look at, yeah, I know the men, the men yeah. that I pick on. And, you know, you think, oh, well, they're not going to, they'll book up in the circle next year. And there they are. They're back in the same seats. Oh, wonderful. That's really w- nice. Wanting the, wanting the attention. Have you, uh, do you feel like you're building a bit of a legacy with lots of, um, you know, young actors coming through, seeing you, you taking them under your wing and, and giving them the, the, the push and the shove that they need, a bit of encouragement. Are you, are you seeing a lot of actors coming through while you've been here? I've seen, I've worked with a lot of different people while I've been here. Um, we've got quite a new cast this year. I've, I've um, uh, People that I haven't worked with before, oh, nice. um, uh, which is uh, which is nice. Um, you know, it changes. Um, I'm, I'm un- unhappy about being the oldest member of the company <laughs> this year. Um, but... Um, yeah, no, p- people change and people move on. And it's it's nice when you find a nice team to, uh, uh, you know, nice people to work with. It's really nice as well that the town get you involved with lots of local events as well. I know you're doing a quiz f- for Lincoln Davis. Is that today? I am doing a quiz later this evening at uh, the Butter Market. Yes. I believe. And um, I've likes... never been to the Butter Market in 11 years, but I'm going tonight. <laughs> the last time I went there, I think I was dressed as a psychopathic butcher. We'd done a thing at the prison, and they invited us round to do like just scare people in the, in the, in the that were queuing up. Right, and I had this big fake wooden knife, and I was just staring at them like licking my life <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> and uh, they they give us unlimited beer, and I was driving, so I couldn't drink any. So. Oh, well, there you go. But yeah, it's a good place, good place to put a market. Um, let's go. And I had another question as well. Um, she oh she said I can remember it. She said, uh, "Have you ever been tempted to sort of look at other tap venues or pantos?" around has anything has, uh, people come like knocking on door Brad, we want you to come over here come over here like. yeah i've been i've been offered other things and stuff like that but i i was in cambridge for a long time i was in cambridge for 10 years which was closer to where i live still wasn't on my doorstep but it was closer and it was a nice theater and it was you know an intimate theater and i'd built up a you know following and a crowd there um but Paul Hendy, who runs Evolution, uh, came to see me. Um, gosh, I'm, it must have been, well, 12, 13, 14, 15 years ago when I was at Cambridge. And uh, I remember, I knew who Paul Hendy was. He's, he used to be on television. I don't know if you remember. He used to be on the Disney Club and he was on uh, Wheel of Fortune. And Wow. He was the, he was the sort of red-haired comic. He's the one on, he does that famous... Um, It'll be all right on the night where he goes up to someone and says, are you peckish? And they said, no, I'm Turkish. He's that guy. That's his most famous thing. (laughs) But um, he came to see me. Somebody had said, oh, you should go and see this Dame Brad in Cambridge. And one day I got a phone call at the stage door and they said, oh, Paul Hendy's been in touch. He wants to uh, come and see the show. And I said, Paul Hendy? I don't know Paul Hendy. Well, I knew who he was. So I went and phoned, and I said, it won't be the Paul I know, or I know of. And when I phoned up, he said, oh, hi, mate, it's Paul. He's from Telford, actually, Paul Hendy. Oh, well. Um, uh, He said, all right, mate, uh, uh, I'd like to come see you. And And so anyway, I got him a ticket, and uh, he came round to see, he came to see this particular show, and by the time he came round to the dressing room, I'd managed to take my face off and my padded suit there, 
So he knocked on the dressing room door and I opened the door and he said, hello, hello, mate, come and see Brad. And I said, oh, hi, Paul. Yeah, nice to meet you. And he didn't know it was me because he was expecting some sort of middle-aged, uh, you know, <laughs> large, you don't know what's going on larger, that makeup. larger bloke. But yeah. um, back then I was, you know, gosh, how would I have been? 32, something like that. Um, and then he phoned me. That was the last show that of that season. I think he phoned me the next day and offered me uh, Croydon. And I thought, no, I don't think so. I don't fancy Croydon at Christmas. And then the, the following year, he phoned up and offered me somewhere else. I can't remember where it was, Crawley or somewhere. And I had another year with um, Cambridge under contract. And then the following year, after I'd done 10 years at Cambridge, he phoned and said he'd just been, he'd, they'd just won the tender to put a pantomime here at Theatre 7 in Shrewsbury. And I thought, oh, I've never been to Shrewsbury, but I think it's, I, I've got a feeling it's quite nice. So I came down and I had a look around and I thought, oh yeah, it's nice. It's a nice place and it feels more like my sort of uh, place. It's a big little town, isn't it? Yeah, and it's it's nice <laughs> and it was, you know, Cambridge was nice. I like Cambridge and 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 this seemed nice as well and I had a, I had a, I spent a day or so here and then I thought, oh, yeah, you know, 10 years is good. I'll I'll make the move. So I moved and uh and uh, yeah, and now I've been here twelve years. Wow! Yeah, no, I've got no plans in going anywhere. There you go, guys. I'm, I'm uh, back next year. Jack and the Beanstalk. Yes, tickets on sale soon. Oh, wow. wow! I believe. Um, I think it's phenomenal of the the, the role of a dame. I just, I, you know, you're thinking about it. It's, it's, it's one of those roles that you you have to perfect I mean when you think about some of the most famous dames over the years mm. who's your favourite have you got any famous sort of TV dames or pantomime dames that you'd look up to when you were growing up I liked I liked the old um, uh, um, I liked Billy Dainty uh, you probably don't even know Billy Dainty do you he used to he's, he was a comic and he used to do funny dances he was good Billy Dainty said to a comic famously once he said don't ever put a dress on for panto because he said if you're half good you'll never get out of it again <laughs> that's what he said uh, billy dainty terry scott was a good dame from uh, uh, terry and june um who did i like there was a dame phil randall is a very good dame um that i saw i like the old school dames yeah you know yeah, the sort of Norman Evans. Has the role types. changed over the years? Is it the people bringing different so. things to it? You know, there, younger... are, there are sort of different types of dames, aren't there? There's there's dames. There's like a there's the Danny Larue type dame, the yeah. very glamorous dame, um, which is very good. In uh, you know, if uh, the people that do that, the best one that does that now is Kerry Dupree, I'd say, uh, uh, who's really good at that sort of thing. Um, he's lent me some stuff. I I did a pantomime here a few years ago. And Kerry Dupree is a very, very glamorous dame. You know, he's 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 all big hair and gorgeous frocks and uh, uh, lots of jewellery. You know, and I had to, I needed to borrow some uh, a couple of wigs, and I drove down to. He's in Cardiff, I think, and I drove down to his house. And his house is, I don't have, I don't own any frocks or anything like that. And Kerry's house, he's got garages full of, you know, beaded frocks and. Swarovski crystals and all that and he lent me these a couple of these wigs and he said oh no you need some jewelry for the walk down I said I don't wear I don't wear jewelry I don't wear rings I don't wear you know for for a dame he said oh please please for the walk down surely he gave me all these Swarovski crystal necklaces and stuff 
and I took them to be kind to him, but I never wore them. But I'm not that type of dame. I'm not. I'm. I'm sort of like bloke in a dress type dame, I suppose, rather mm -hmm. than not drag dame. I don't think that. I don't think that's the right word. But there is that sort of glamorous dame, yeah, Danny Larue yeah. type. I've, I, I remember years ago. Um, I'm not going to mention his name because I haven't asked permission. But um, it was um, a drag artist, an amazing drag artist in Telford, and um, I just moved over there. Um, I've been there, so I didn't really know any, many people, and I've been invited to to come to the pub and meet these new people. And I'd not long been in an accident, right? This <laughs> had like stitches in my neck and like you know stereo strips on my face, and I, I remember. Um, the one night I was I was talking to these people, telling them what had happened in the accident and stuff, and asking questions, and I was telling them, and then um, <laughs> a few days later, because it was a, we had gone a Wednesday night, and then on the on the Sunday I went, and this drag act was on, and the drag artist came outside, mentioned me by name, and was like, "Oh, have you had your stitches out? Have you?" And was giving me loads of grief, and I was like, "Do I know you?" <laughs> and it was one of the people I was sat on the table with. I just did oh, right. so amazing the makeup and the act as well i didn't record i didn't never thought it was him it was absolutely amazing i just think it's amazing how you can transform who you are as a person i know that's acting but i think with a dame you've got to amplify it all haven't you yeah i look different because of my i i changed my shape obviously again with the padded suit yeah, of course. but i did that the reason i did that was the first time i played a dame of anything i was an ugly sister and i did it with a guy called scott ritchie and i'm five foot nine and he's I think he was six foot. So th there wasn't a huge difference in height. So we decided that, you know, to make it funny, I wore flat shoes and all of my wigs were sort of like out at the side, very flat, but they went out to the side quite a way. Yeah. And I was, I made myself really sort of short and round. And he was the opposite. We made him very tall and tall, sort of very high wigs and thin and high heels. So I sort of then stuck with that, padded suit look and also years ago um when i started doing them i used to do a lot more although we have got one this year um a lot more sort of slosh scenes where it was all falling over and stuff like mm, that yeah well not always falling over on purpose but it's clumsy clumsy and you would fall over because you're you're on a plastic sheet covered in shaving foam so <laughs> it's difficult to stand up so the padded suit used to help me so i sort of stuck with it really um, one of the one of the questions that Emma asked as well was you talking about the the shaving foam and the falling over. Yeah, um, it was three questions. She asked three. Emma, uh, she says, "Do you have an overriding favorite Panto memory? Is there something you think about when you think about like some of your uh, most exciting or most memorable moments? What's the first thing that comes to your mind?" Um, overall, Panto my memory. I really liked uh, doing. Bizarrely, I, I didn't think I was going to enjoy it, but um, when I did Cinderella here uh, several years ago, I assumed that I would be an ugly sister. Um, and Paul Hendy, again, author, said, oh, no, mate, I don't think you should be an ugly sister because I don't want the audience to boo you. And he said, you, he said, I was thinking that you'd either be Dandini or Buttons. And I thought, well, if I'm going to be a man, I'm not going to be Dandini because he's just the sidekick to the prince and he's not on that much. Uh, although they would have written the part up for me. But then I thought, well, Buttons is the one that talks to the audience. So I suppose Buttons is that sort of character. And I did that. That was a strange one for me because I thought I'm not going to enjoy this because I, you know, no makeup, my face 
it was me, um, one costume. Uh, there was nothing to hide behind. So I thought that I wasn't going to enjoy that, but actually it was one of my, one of the favorites, not just because I got more time, uh, you know, cause I wasn't getting changed all the time, but I really enjoyed playing a different character and being a man. And there was a bit in that, that I, um, the end of act one was very nice. It's sort of taking off on this sort of flying horse. And cause I, as a dame, you never get to be involved in those sort of romantic type yeah scenes yeah and uh so yeah that's that was that was a nice memory i always i always look at things like that you know you're talking about how you you enjoyed that different role because you got to step into a different role mm. when it comes to roles and things i always talk about you know setting up my microphones just now i remember how i was i was a little bit nervous i was coming on to borrow your chair and i pick up the microphone and I'm alive, and I've got energy, and I'm I'm I'm, I'm confident. I feel like my microphone is my mask. You know right. what I mean? I kind of I don't hide behind the microphone. Uh -huh. This is who I am. You yeah. Know? Um. Do you feel like when you when you're playing a dame or when you're playing buttons, do you feel like that's a different persona? That's a different version of you. Can you hide behind that in a, in a not in a negative way, but in a in a way that kind of helps you a little bit more? The dame is the dame more so because you've got you you are literally wearing a mask. You know, yeah. the, the 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 makeup is so thick and alters you and you know once you put the wig on there's the wig up there look yeah um, i can see that that's all that yeah. will come in. well there we go before you end your interview today we'll get a picture of you wearing that absolutely that, that'll be the uh ident for this episode <laughs> you in my uh my wig um <laughs> but yeah you once you've got that on you you are completely different and it's a bit like what you were saying about uh you know that friend of yours that was a drag act yeah you you do become a different person. Buttons was slightly different because it was my face and, you know, it was my body and my face. and da -da. So I probably didn't go as far as I would have done as a dame. You can, you know, you can have a chat and it's, yeah. Have you ever had the further. temptation to play a baddie? I love playing a baddie. I love, I, when we do stuff at the prison, they give me this horrible role where I could just be nasty to everyone. And I loved it because I'm a nice guy. <laughs> so it's just an opportunity to... Get it all out. Yeah. All out. Uh, yeah, I think I would like to at some point. I don't an know. Evil Dame. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, well, or, or like an Abanaza or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I've seen I've seen some great Abanazas and, and also you get more time off stage. So I think as I get older, maybe I'll... Once, once I've, you know, when I'm too old to do all these quick changes and <laughs> slosh scenes and falling over, maybe I'll, maybe that's when I'll move into the world of abanazas and things like that. What's it like, um, I, you know, backstage when you when you're having to change outfits and you know, look for your? Uh, I mean, I was I came to art, um, which was. Um, put on by the Shropshire Drama Company a few mm -hmm. days ago and they were showing me how they they put the props on the table and they draw around them to make sure they're all in the space but do you ever have moments where you're like where's me wig where's where's this do you ever have those moments of existential panic uh, sometimes they, there was um, yeah we do the same um, I mean our stage management team will have all the props set on tables like this with the with the tape around it and every, they'll check everyone's props beforehand yeah but I will always check my own props as well yeah you know? Make sure you don't have those yeah. those moments of fail to prepare, prepare to fail. <laughs> Absolutely. Have you have you ever died on stage? Have you has that ever happened to you? Have a joke that hasn't gone right, or you know? Um, oh, that's a really terrible way to put it. Have you had moments? Have you had moments <laughs> on stage? That, very I, unfortunate. Have you died moments? on stage. There's lots of harsh words in theatre. Isn't there? Like, yeah. Die, corpse. Yeah, I've heard I it before. Them. Yeah, yeah. Um, have I died on stage? 
Uh, thankfully, no, not terribly, no. No, I don't think so. I've been on stage with people when they've, <laughs> when they've died. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Uh, Stepped in quickly. I was chatting to some actors the other day. Obviously, I was, I was covering art. And I was like, what happens if you forget your lines or whatever? And like, you just, you just go with it. You just, mm. gotta, you just gotta own it and just keep going. Yeah. Confident. Yeah, don't stop. Yeah. <laughs> That's the worst thing you could do. Um, so we're here this year. This yep. is the, you, you, uh, Beauty and the Beast. That's it, Beauty and the Beast. Um, uh, how's the feedback been? Um, have you have people been crazy with the tickets? Have you, have you, have you sold many? I th- yes, uh, tickets have gone. Uh, I don't know what they're on at the minute, but they're pretty much sold out, I think. Wonderful. Uh, until we've, we've added in the extra week now. We finished on the 8th of January, so they've added in a week from last year. Um, I couldn't get to do the percentages or whatever, but a lot of them have already sold. Um, we start rehearsals last week. We started rehearsals, sorry, last week, and we open next Wednesday. So we haven't actually opened yet, but um, it's going well. You know, it's yeah. uh, it'll, does that we'll add pressure open. when it sells out? I mean, it must be an amazing feeling, of course, that it sells out. But yeah, does that add pressure on you or excitement? No, it's sold out or, no, oh my God, it's exciting. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting. It's lovely. Yeah, who wants to go out and perform to, uh, you know. Six people. Six people. Yeah. You might as well just come down from the top there. There's like plenty of seats. <laughs> you know the famous story, but you know Clive Dunn? Do you know Clive Dunn? I don't, I'm afraid. No. Clive Dunn was, he played Grandad and he was Corporal Jones in Dad's Army. Your listeners oh, well, will yeah, know. Yes, yes, I know. Don't I know panic, now. Don't panic. That one. Yeah, yeah. He was in a play once years and years ago before he was famous and, um, uh, they were looking out and it was a matinee. It was a, well, I can't remember. It was a cold, wet evening or something. And they looked out and somebody says, there's only one person out there. He said, what? He said, there's one man in the audience. And so he stepped forward and he said, uh, good evening, sir. He said, I'd just like you to know that uh, there might be only one of you there tonight, but we're professional actors and we're going to do the whole show. We're not going to cut anything. We're going to do the whole show from start to finish. <laughs> and the man said, well, hurry up. I'm waiting to lock up. <laughs> that's wonderful <laughs> stage doorkeeper nobody else had turned up um this is going to be a probably maybe an awkward question i don't know if it'll work but um oh. uh you're so busy during pantomime season do you ever get to go and watch pantomimes yourself for a bit of inspiration um i mean i guess it's difficult but is that something that you can do or you have done it's difficult I'd, I'd love to go and see other pantomimes i'd love to go and see them and travel around it's difficult a, because of days off. Everyone's days off seem to be the same because obviously um, obviously everyone wants to do Saturday and Sunday shows because yeah, yeah. people are off work. And then once they are, you know, when kids are off school, we all do the same show. So it's quite often it's, you know, I might look and I sometimes can get to Litchfield, yeah. uh, which is another evolution pantomime. But that's only if we do a, an early morning and a matinee and they do a matinee in an evening. And then it's a real rush to get over there. Um, occasionally we can get to Telford um, at the Oaken Gates and see theirs. But it just depends whether they clash or not, you know. And also when you have one day off and, you know, you m- I might have one day off and there's one I want to see, but it's a three-hour drive. You sort of think, oh, I shouldn't really. There's lots of... Um hybrid theatre shows coming out at the moment where they, they're showing like huge theatre productions at the cinemas around around mm. the world and stuff which I think is quite cool they could uh, they could do that with pantomimes couldn't they they could take that to yeah they could do I think they did I think I can't remember who it was I think it was Kudos who are now Crossroads I think that they 
I think that they a couple of years ago they uh, broadcast one. I think it was the Bristol one okay. to uh, hospitals. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Actually, that was nice. I th- I thought that was a lovely idea. They did. They broadcast it all to hospitals um, around the country. That's really really good. Yeah. Well, um, we've been going for a solid fifty minutes now. Goodness me! Yeah, that went quick, didn't it? Yeah. Um, where I, I guess uh, is it the Theatre Seven website to buy tickets if there are any? Theatre Seven dot co dot uk. Um, yeah. And if I'm sure, that's the website. If 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 there's if there's anybody crazy enough to be listening to this that's not been to one of your shows, um, what would what would they expect the first time? Because I know people have never been to a pantomime. They think they're silly, and then they go and then they enjoy them, and it's like, oh, it's a pantomime. I was speaking to someone the other day. Who was I speaking to? I was speaking to somebody yesterday, and they said they'd never been to a pantomime, <laughs> and they're in their fifties, and they said, "Oh, we haven't got any kids." And I always get people always say that we haven't got any kids anymore, and all the grandkids. We're waiting for the grand. So you don't need to wait for the grandkids. We get all sorts coming here. And I think once you've been, you'll realize that pantomime has changed in the last 20 years. I mean, it, it, it had a big resurgence in the 90s and it goes in flows, pantomimes. I mean, it, it did have some pretty dire years and then it picked up again and then it's changed and it's constantly evolving. Pantomime is constantly involved from the day it started. I mean, pantomime in its original form, came from Commedia dell'arte in the 1700s from Italy. You know, Commedia dell'arte, you've got those characters, Punchinello and uh, all these characters. And then that eventually they sort of travelled over to England and they went round the markets doing all these sort of slap about, knock about comedies and things. And it's evolved and it's always evolved. And people think that there's new things, but they, you know, it just keeps coming round. But families should come and see it they don't you don't need a kid to come and see pantomime no no uh, i i love i love as I, I like i like silly things i like silly humor yeah. well there's also a there is an art to pantomime to get it mm. right you know it's got to be it's got to be d- delivered to perfection i guess mm. because you know you're going for those laughs and you're going for the you're going for the joy of things as well and the mm. timing's got to be perfect you know the right yeah. time to run out and Maybe shoot people with a water pistol. Like, mm. what's the right time to do that, or to 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 to, to slip on a, a map of shaving foam? You know yeah. these silly things. I, I love that. I think it's got to be done right. And um, uh, my hat goes off to anybody. But the audience are a part of that as well, and they have to remember that they are that they're one of the most important characters in the pantomime. When we do rehearsals, I always say we get to the end of rehearsals and I say, right now it's time to add the last character of any pantomime is the audience, and you you all have to play your part as well. Wonderful. I think that's a great way to end it. Thank you so much for giving me your time today. You're very welcome. It's Enjoy been really it. nice. Um, and if there's any way we can help um, with with the show, um, we're, we're happy to help with the biscuit um, and be going forward. I mean, this is the second show of uh, interview I've recorded at the Theatre Seven in the last two weeks. It's, it's a good trend to have. I think very good to help local local uh, local productions. But thank you so much for chatting to me. Um, for you listeners, um, I've just got a couple of announcements to make before we get out of here. Number one is uh, we are updating our website, um, our web orchard. I've been kind enough to fix my mistakes. I kind of broke the website by uh, changing our host, um, which messed up my RSS feed, which then ruined the website. So Web Orchard are building us a state-of-the-art website. It's going to look amazing. I'm currently working on new art uh, artwork for it. We're going to be filming for like a backdrop for the website. It's going to look so sexy. Um, but I just want to let you guys know, 
at Web Orchard are fantastic at building these things. I went for a meeting with Pete White, um, CEO over there at Web Orchard. He showed me the website he wants to build me, and I nearly cried. It was that beautiful. So if you're looking for uh, the perfect website for your business, um, or even for just help with IT, make sure you check out The Web Orchard. They are based on Coton Hill. They're local. Um, and they are wonderful at what they do. And a, a huge thank you to the guys at Web Orchard for helping us out. Thank you, Brad, again for chatting to us today. It's been great. And uh, thank you, listeners. Uh, make sure you, you, you check us out next time. Peace out. Peace out.